1: Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Chuluminati Podcast, episode eighty-two. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by my two co-hosts, Alex Fasciana and Jesse Cox. Hello, Hi, boys. Boop, boop, boop. Hey, uh, I hope everybody had a good holiday. It's uh, it's almost 2021, and 2020 went out with a fucking bang, didn't it, Jesse?
2: Look, I don't want to talk about it, man. I don't want to <laughs> talk about it. I'm I'm over I'm over this year. I'm over it. <laughs> Some someday
0: two years from now, let's all everybody listening to this. Let's all meet up at a bar in right. Havana, Cuba, <laughs> somewhere, and just let's just drink about this holiday season.
1: I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, yeah, I hope everybody had a good holiday. I know we've got some human suffering to go through, um, but usually this is where I hand it off to Alex to shill. But I'm just going to take a minute and just give okay. a heartfelt. Like thank you to everybody. This has been a great year. We're almost in February. We'll mark our third or fourth year going into we this. We not this even is the know first.
2: anymore, are we? What what's going on here? I think
1: we're going into our third year in February. February is year three, like our three year anniversary. We're we're going into. Um, but this is the year we launched Patreon in twenty twenty, and really have taken the show really above and beyond where we started. And I just want to thank everybody who's been listening because we couldn't do without you. If you've just been listening or on the Patreon, have bought merch, have just binged our podcast re- uh, endlessly. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do it. So genuinely, genuinely, thank you. You've allowed us to really make this something so much more.
0: I was still going to shill uh, afterwards. D- take it. But, uh, take but it. in the meantime, since while you were talking, I was visited by three ghosts from the past, uh, <laughs> present and future. And oh now I, I don't feel like I don't feel like shilling anymore. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, all right. That's adorable. Yeah. And we know Jesse won't. So that's fine. We'll Jesse be fine. bought
0: me a full size goose. He just, he, he postmated it to me. I, it's showing oh up right
1: now. It's true. Yeah. Did you kill it? Or are you going to keep it?
2: I, I we will see. We'll see. If my oven's <laughs> big enough assholes. It. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes you got to kill a
1: goose. They're just bad Wallace people. Is not happy. He's just going to say, how, how's Wallace handling? The they goose? have, they're
0: both sitting on opposite sides of the couch right now. eyeing each <laughs> staring other staring at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have any ducklings or whatever you call them. Goslings.
1: <laughs> um, oh, be. Last couple things to shill before we get to the episode. Uh, t-shirts. We still got the uh, Chupacabra limited time T-shirt up there. Grab it while you can. It's not going to be up there much longer. And uh oh, was that it? Is that it for shilling? Actually, grab Just it March. while you can. Yeah, grab it while you can. It's it's not much time left for that. And then we'll uh, we will working on the uh, the the third the third one. Oh, and the um the Patreon art dropped. The digital poster by Mel, uh, Studio Melectro. It is Krampus themed, of course. Tarot card Krampus themed. It's amazing. It's so I love sick. It. It's sick. So go check that out if you're on that twenty dollar tier or if you're interested, you can go jump on that twenty dollar tier and get that poster and every poster that's been released since the Patreon started. All right. I think that's it. Boys, are you ready for MK Ultra? No part three. No one's <laughs> ready. I for mean, this. look,
0: I wanna know about it because it's an interesting topic, but right. I just right. spend the next hour and a half now just getting like my worldview shattered and, and upset. Like, yeah, like my 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 like understanding of human potential for cruelty. <laughs> Just extended,
1: deepened. <laughs> it's going to keep going, I promise you. You hate to see it. Well, last episode uh, was a big kind of coverage of uh, Project Artichoke, if you all remember. We covered a lot of different projects. Songbird and Artichoke big I keep the two forgetting ones. their terrible names. Oh, they're absolutely awful. Um, in that, there was some LSD testing to those who were aware and who were not aware. Sure. Lots of different torture. Trying the Navy, trying to remove free will from a particular, like, individuals. No, Just right. a whole yeah. bunch of stuff. And at the end, all those people who created those projects got promoted within the CIA and ended up running the CIA from this point forward. And the very last thing that we we addressed was that after everybody got their promotion, they invested around three million dollars in 2020 money into this project, were no longer subjected to financial controls and had permission to launch research and conduct experiments at will, quote, without signing of the usual contracts or written agreements. It got a new cryptonym, and that was MK Ultra. Easy and Street, that, exactly, and that's where we pick up on today's episode. It's 1953, and MK Ultra proper has launched. Now, unsurprisingly, probably to everybody here, MK Ultra projects were actually well underway before MK Ultra was officially approved on paper, uh, specifically under the name MK Delta the clandestine services division set up actual procedures the year prior to MK ultra being presented to use uh, chemical and biological warfare products. MK Delta became the operational side of MK ultra after MK ultra launched, So it kind of just got umbrellaed and folded into MK ultra. It's like nerve. Yeah, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) An unfortunate comparison, but yes, uh, Under MK Naomi, the the TSS made a deal with the Special Operations Division, S.O.D., we talked about that last week, uh, of the Army's Biological Research Center at Fort Detrick, whereby the Special Operations Division would actually produce germ weapons for the CIA's use. So during MK Naomi, again, we talked about this last week, all these things happened, and by the end of it, they were making deals with the CIA to produce germ warfare weapons. And on April 13th, 1953, Gottlieb, one of the scientists working at, at Fort Detrick, the major one who's kind of running a lot of this, went to New York to meet John Mulholland, who was at the time a very popular magician. And it's through what, this. Time, time Yeah. yeah, time, yeah what, what, no, you or heard. Or, 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 that's not where I thought we were going. Timeout. You can't
2: just be like, do we know very no. popular? How does he magician? get in the mix? No, How does exactly he slide in it. there?
1: <laughs> MK Ultra ultimately launches with a meeting. With a magician, John Mulholland. Mulholland was the protege of none other than Harry Houdini. He was his, uh, his uh, understudy. Perfect place for to mo- start. Yeah, exactly. For more than 20 years, he edited The Sphinx, a professional journal-, a journal for conjurers, illusionists, and prestidigitators. And Mulholland also wrote nearly a dozen books himself, such as The Art of Illusion and Quicker Than the Eye.
0: So the, perfu- so the MK Ultra scientists were like, Saw, so, how, how do you saw a man in half? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's I'm sure they saw and that. And both sides keep moving.
2: How do you this do it? This card trick, I must have the answer.
0: <laughs> you, you get close to me and I look for the card and it is stuck to my forehead.
1: How do you <laughs> do it? There this?
2: are no coins behind my ears. <laughs> <laughs> I shake this awning?
1: <laughs> tell me now our air hypnosis will bring you to the eight ball <laughs> when not performing or writing though he heavily devoted himself to unmasking fraudulent spiritualists and psychics often by way of dramatically revealing their tricks so you have to understand too 1950s were a time of um like lots of like like i said here like spirituality people having uh seances trying to contact the dead. And this was a great opportunity for scam artists to move in, set up really easy tricks around their room, you know, slight a hand and, and whatnot and all claim that dead family members are speaking to you. So and are you
0: Mulholland, saying, so are you saying they like legit thing was they were like, all right, here we are. MK ultra ready to go match. What if magic's real? Let's check it out.
1: <laughs> no, no, it is not. What if magic's real? There's a reason they went to Mulholland and a reason that like his history is that of, of revealing these grand tricks. So he would go to these places well aware of all of their tricks, allow them to get into the throes of their biggest seance. And right in the middle, he would stand up and reveal all the ways that people were being fooled, essentially bringing down entire companies under these one people who were fooling people for their money. But that was that's beside the point overall, because Gottlieb went to Mulholland for a very specific thing. Mulholland actually agreed after the meeting to teach CIA officers how to distract victims' attentions so drugs could be given to them without anyone noticing. Ah, there it is. There
0: it is. Put like tapping them on the hand while you like chuck a pill down their throat. <laughs> yeah, just like,
1: bink. Gottlieb also asked Mulholland to consider writing a manual in which, quote, sleight of hand practices would be codified for officers unable to attend training sessions in New York or Washington. And Mulholland accepted. Over the next year, Mulholland produced several drafts of the manual, and the final version was thought to have been lost or destroyed. Because at the end of MKUltra, when everything was surfacing, they began destroying documents left and right. However, a copy unexpectedly surfaced in 2007, making it the only full-length MK Ultra document to have survived intact. And it's completely, the, like... Completely up intact. And the document was titled The Official CIA Manual of Trickery and Deception. Classic.
0: But it, classic. There, there's, no like, there's no, like, uh, redactions or
1: anything uh, like that? That's a good question, um, because it's not something I fully dove into, uh, because it just not, wasn't too totally pertinent. Something worth looking up, though. Um, In May 1953, George Hunter White, who was an officer of the Narcotics Bureau and former OSS member, remember the OSS became the CIA, and Gottlieb rented two. So, uh, sorry, I apologize. George Hunter White and Gottlieb rented two adjacent Greenwich Village apartments in 1953. White agreed to lure victims to the safe houses, slip them drugs, and then report the results to Gottlieb, who was usually next door. In one in the building, one of the two apartments that they had in exchange for White's use, the CIA let the Narcotics Bureau use the place for undercover operations for often for personal pleasure, where whenever no agent agency operations were scheduled, the CIA paid all the bills, including the cost of keeping a well-stocked liquor cabinet. Gottlieb himself invested four thousand in cash to cover the initial cost of furnishing the safe house in a lavish style and 40,000 in cash. You're looking at probably like 50 grand in 2020 money.
2: This safe house was Wait, also so this used is like to- they're like a uh, undercover bang bungalow. Oh, absolutely. Where they, they are also drug people. <laughs>
0: this is like their little like nasty fuck room right but it's also okay.
1: you say that but it's also important to keep in mind that mk ultra eventually does move into the world of like drugging and raping like later on Wait, it gets what? so much worse Wait, yeah
2: what? that is also not where i thought any of this was going yep. okay oh, it
1: gets so much worse it gets so much worse. Right. We're not going to cover that today. That's not today. That's when we get toward. Because. What do you mean that's not so today? How is like this? is like, no today. This. This this is like the opposite of when I was
0: like, there's some green kids, but we'll talk about them later. No, no, no. This is. You're going to get this next week, probably.
1: Wait, so, so were there green kids? What is No, no. Happening? The green kids was. No, we already did the Jesse. green kids. Don't worry about the green kids. <laughs> We've done green kids. <laughs> yeah, remember Alex teased it at the beginning of his crazy episode and he was like, that's not what we're talking about <laughs> today. And we all freaked kids? out.
2: But we've never done great kids.
1: He did cover them. Remember the girl who came out of the hole, got married, became white and lived like a happy life. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, no. Look, yo, means- we talk about so much bullshit on this show.
1: But we will get there later because today is really all about one particular person. But we're going to get there. So, yeah, this was their bang bungalow at this time. Um, spending around fifty thousand in 2020 money to just decorate the thing. This the safe house was also used to pilot new surveillance equipment before sending it out into the field. And within the first few months, White tested LSD, several kinds of knockout drops. The essence knockout of marijuana and the essence and the essence of marijuana. Knockout drops, Dro- marijuana? Ma- knockout drop drops, marijuana and LSD <laughs> drugs were served up in food, drink and cigarettes. Get out then of white would Try to get. And then after they were drugged out, white would then try and get information out of them. After six months, however, the operation was suspended because the topic of today's episode died. Frank Olson, also known to many who may know of MKUltra very lightly about the man who jumped or willingly walked out a window to his death. All because of MKUltra. But anyway, that little uh, breakdown is basically the CIA little tit for tat with the Narcotics Bureau. They get white to do experiments and the CIA does all that shit for the Narcotics Bureau in in, in return. Okay. Last little bit of of a quick info before we dive into Frank Olson proper. In July 1953... 7,200 soldiers were returned to the U.S. from communist prisons after an armistice ended, the fighting in Korea. The American people recoiled when they saw that they had written statements criticizing the United States and praising communism. Some had confessed to war crimes, and 21 had chosen to remain in North Korea or China. This confused the American people wildly. They weren't sure how or why American soldiers would turn their backs on their country The Times actually examined their backgrounds completely. And this might sound familiar to a lot of you because they concluded that poor upbringing and emotional problems explained their behavior as to why they no longer love the United States.
0: How long was that article?
1: Ten words? (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, The CIA had a different hypothesis, however, and this is kind of the crux of a lot of their moving forward. They had. They believed that these twenty-one who had stayed had simply been brainwashed.
0: All their legs have been sawed off, and they can't go anywhere. Because <laughs> the term, know.
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. The term had come into public consciousness three years prior when it was invented by Edward Hunter. A memo from a CIA officer posits, "quote Interrogations of the individuals who had come out of North Korea across the Soviet Union for freedom recently had apparently quote blank period of disorientation." While passing through a special zone in Manchuria, this had occurred to all individuals in the party after they had had their first full meal and first cop a coffee. Drugging was indicated, so basically they were crossing over through Manchuria, Manchurian candidate style, and right. then they just blank out. And then when they come to, their opinions have changed. So they believe the U.S. is believing that they that in that point they are being drugged, maybe through their food, maybe just more straightforward. You know what this also being, sounds
2: like aliens.
1: That's very true. And are you, you sure? Make a good point, are you sure? You make a good point. Jesse. Are you sure the aliens didn't do it? I don't, you, are you trying to derail this? Because you, you're on. You're Am almost I there. Am I trying to derail this with aliens?
2: <laughs> I, can't I do don't it. know. We got to get to the
1: sad part. The, However, sad, the
2: sad part? Can't wait. <laughs> the, let him, the let him talk. POWs well, we got, the POWs. Oh, oh, <laughs> we got to get to the sad part. Yeah. Okay. worry
1: However, in the years after the fighting, most of the defectors did eventually trickle home. Several spoke about the captivity, and none reported that they had been subjected to any pressure that could be described as brainwashing. They said their decisions to defect were the result of individual combinations of anger at the inequalities of American life and desire for adventure, as well as traditional forms of coercion that were involved. So, so they were sweet talked. So probably so let me
0: get this straight. So the stories come out in the newspaper, these people are staying because they're being brainwashed, right? Correct. And the American people is like, oh, my God, that's horrible. They're being brainwashed. And then they come back and they're like, no, we just it's a crazy time, man. And it's messed up. And then the American government was like brainwashing, eh? (laughs) (laughs) You are
2: pretty much on point there. I mean, what the fuck? It also comes down to that idea of just in general, not understanding other societies and America always thinking it's like the best. And so yeah. we I don't I mean, it is kind of like a brainwashing, though, right? Not like learning that it's better outside of your
0: own country because you're learning like people by people, right?
1: Like we can we can even take that example Jesse's given and, and bring it down to just the U.S. Think about the people who never live little rural towns in the south who eventually get to go to college. I
2: mean, that's and then little they, towns everywhere. You can be in New, little yeah. town, New York, and still have that exact to, same opinion. Anybody
1: who's stuck in a small suburban kind of like, you know, locked downtown of a couple thousand. And then they, you mean, know, one of the first ones to go to a big university and all of a sudden they're surrounded by people from all walks of life. Most of the time they come back being like, oh, it's life isn't like this. And and you know, that can cause, that can cause friction with those at home or what have you. But yeah, it's like that idea,
2: but it's also propaganda. It also explains how you can have one half of the United States believe one thing and one half Mm -hmm. believe another and both be totally 100% convinced of their beliefs. Uh, It's, you know, it's one of those things where people living in the Soviet union, if you want to look at it from that angle, people living in the Soviet union being like, we are the greatest, uh nation on earth and then they like flee to the west and like oh my god wait a minute hold on i was wrong yeah yeah, yeah
0: it's
1: exactly that it's wild you know, like it's, i'll tell you right
0: now like if i ended up in norway by accident somehow you know <laughs> i might just
1: stay there forever hang stay out there, there yeah, yeah i might bit. not go back <laughs> i might
0: hang
2: out for a little bit i'm just saying i'm just saying i might just <laughs> wait and see how everything shakes out for a little bit Yeah, and everything's also personal. They mentioned they were lured there or there were some, I'm not sure exactly what phrase you used, but I mean, to me, whatever it is that you said sounded like, oh, they probably met, a nice young lady or like a feller over there or, or whatever. Like I'm not sure. Compromat.
0: <laughs> like, you know, like if you go yeah. back,
2: we'll put this
0: picture of you having sex with this, with this kid or something too. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, who knows just stuff that's not things. like
2: mind control is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well yeah. so there's all kinds of ways to convert. But like somebody. real brainwashing, if a term like that exists clearly is like, I went to a place and I experienced something new and it changed how I see things. And now I view life this way. And that's, I think, is the closest we can get to to actual brainwashing. I don't think you know, like, and "now you are one of us" exists. I don't know. If that's <laughs> real no but, hive mind. Yeah, right.
1: Well, when we cover cults one day, we can we can probably dive into that that's, a little bit. Further.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, that's that is as close to brainwashing as you can get, and it's not like
1: Jonestown. Is it's such a it's like the example. same thing as
0: like how uh, you know, nineteen eighty four. They write about the thought police and how like thinking about stuff is going to be the thing that becomes a crime in the future. And then in real life, like instead of it being like a government that tracks you down, it's just like everyone else, everybody yeah. who who's listening, like judges you, you know, it's the same kind of deal, like brainwashing, like the way we imagine it is uh, a wizard does sleight of hand on you and puts mind control dust in your face or whatever. <laughs> but in reality, it's just like a web of, Emotional manipulation over yep. years, you know, conditioning, from somebody who's conditioning you to yeah. think a thing. Yeah, yep. exactly. Exactly. And who's to say that's not brainwashing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that tons of people in cults will tell you that it didn't feel like they could just
1: leave. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can even, again, abusive relationships are similar, right? Like it's the same idea. Yeah. So we're going to talk about for this episode, it's going to be the only episode we really focus on one person and in one incident. And the reason we're going to be franking on the Frank Olson incident so heavily is because the Frank Olson incident, in my mind, in my opinion, wholly encapsulates not only the government, but really MKUltra, Ultra, what it's all about. <laughs> oh, the extent it no. not which Not they only the go government,
2: but was it that episode? No, it is wait, gonna be like that. Not, the not, government. not only does
1: it talk about and what we're gonna see what the, the lengths they were willing to go to, to to really try and crack mind control, but the lengths that the government went instantly to cover this up for multiple decades. And when it finally came out. Was around the time when MKUltra was just kind of coming forward in the 70s and 80s. Like, why would the government
0: like, Okay, just for this outside observer, you know what I mean? Like when the government doesn't just tell you what it's doing. Like. You know, tell you, but they tell you lies. But that's what I mean. Like if they're not if they're like straight up lying and they're covering up everything they're doing, there's no way that's like chill. There's no way that like it getting out in the world it's going to land.
1: It happens. I love you. Alex. That happens all the time. Like the fact that if they can just wait, make it wait 10 years, 20 years, and then it comes out. The outrage then compared to the outrage of when it happens is going to be so much smaller.
0: Maybe, maybe in like, maybe in like the public court of opinion, but, sure. but like, you know, in the books of history, like we know about MK ultra now, like we know, like it's going to come out. Like you're not, I guess like you get to live your life, but you know, your legacy is going to be tarnished. If you torture, I just don't
1: think they give a shit. Yeah, (laughs) no,
0: exactly. (laughs) It's just crazy. It's just, you stare at it and you think about it and you're like, this is the type of thinking at the center of like, what drives our country. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it, it, it hasn't changed. It's weird. It makes you wonder what's going on right now, like beyond what we already know that's atrocious that's happening in the news right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's bonkers, dude. So Frank Olson particularly is a Swedish immigrant that came to the U.S. and earned his Ph.D. at the University of Wisconsin, married one of his classmates and was living, of course, the American dream for quite some time. However, eventually Olson was called to active duty as lieutenant in order to report to Fort Hood, Texas during World War Two. He was in training at Fort Hood when on December 26, 1942, he received a call from Ira Baldwin. If that name sounds familiar, because we talked about in episode one, he was the scientist who was so desperate to get like shit going in terms of testing like LSD and stuff. Um, Baldwin was also his thesis advisor at university. So that's where their paths cross. And Baldwin wanted Olson because Olson had studied aerosol delivery systems at Wisconsin. And so at Baldur's request, the army transferred Olsen to Edgewood Arsenal in, in Maryland. And a few months later, the Chemical Corps, uh, which remember is the renaming of what was happening at Fort Dietrich, took over Camp Dietrich and Olson moved in. So right then is when Camp Dietrich became taken over by Chemical Corps. Olsen was discharged from the army in 1944, but remained at Camp Dietrich on a civilian contract. He continued his work in, aer- in aerobiology, and he co-authored a 220-page study entitled "Experimental Airborne Infections" that described experiments uh, with airborne clouds of highly infectious agents. At first, All to say,
0: at first you said that, and it made me think of like like a book, like a cookbook, like experimenting <laughs> with airborne infections. Just get two two strains and go crazy. Just follow your heart. Make a mixture that expresses how you feel at the time.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what it sounds like, and it's so much worse. In 1949, he was one of several scientists from Camp Dietrich who traveled to the Caribbean island of Antigua uh, for Operation Harness, which tested the vulnerability of animals to toxic clouds. He regularly would travel from Fort Terry, a secret army base on Plum Island, off the eastern tip of Long Island, which was used to test toxins too deadly to be brought onto the U.S. mainland. He became the acting... uh he became the acting chief of the Special Operations Division, uh, where his job description was to collect data uh, of interest to the division, with particular emphasis the, uh, to the medical, uh, the medico biological aspects, and coordinate his work with quote other agencies conducting work of a similar or related nature. This meant the CIA. Uh, this meant working with the CIA. And Olsen's specialty was the airborne distribution biological germ. So all this to say, while while the story of Olsen and his victimization of his own project basically ended up killing him, Olsen was heavily a part of not only the creation of MKUltra, but the poisons. And he was actively overseeing torture sessions happening in uh, black sites across Europe. So he was um, he was the boss of the whole deal. He was so no, of- he wasn't the boss of the whole deal. He was just heavily involved in it. So well, what um, you're saying was, is...
2: Yeah. We shouldn't feel bad that he flew out a window. Is that what you're trying to tell me?
1: Not saying you shouldn't feel bad they he wouldn't flew out a window, but he wasn't a nobody. His hands he wasn't a civilian clean. that was lured in. Gotcha. Like, later on will happen. Gotcha. This is still at the point where the military is testing on their own people.
0: So does Very this, heavily. Do people like this who are, like, at that level as him, like, do they have a hand in, like, the magician pie, in the poison pie, in the bacteria <laughs> pie? He has the- a hand in the bacteria poison pie. He has no... He didn't have a hand in the magician pie. I What? Well, I just... There has to just be like a writer's room at the top, right? Like, it, I don't. How do you come up with your ideas? I don't right. know. It's I don't know. It's just crazy.
1: Well, from sorry, Jesse, go ahead. I didn't say they're going to say something. Nope. My bad. Uh, so from 1944 to 1953 is where he uh, he operated as a civilian within court uh, camp Dietrich. But he stepped down as acting chief of the special operations division, citing stress of the job, agitating his ulcers. And then he moved and joined the CIA. So he, he retired from there and then joined the CIA instead. He remained with the SOD, which was officially part of the army, but functioned as a CIA research station hidden within a military base. In his laboratory on Camp Dietrich, Olsen directed experiments which, which involved gassing or poisoning animals, and these experiments disturbed him, apparently. And his son later recalled in life that he wasn't the right guy for these kinds of things. Now, I want you to hold on to that because that's what his son said about his animal testing but meanwhile, Olsen was also observing the torture of human beings. While he was never a direct torturer himself, he observed and monitored torture sessions in several countries. Recalling one study, he said, quote, in CIA safe houses in Germany, Olsen or rather they, they the, the records quoted Olsen witnessed horrific, brutal interrogations on a regular basis. Detainees were deemed expendable sus- uh, suspected spies or moles, security leaks or more. They were literally interrogated to death in experimental methods, combining drugs, hypnosis, and torture to attempt master brainwashing techniques and memory erasing.
0: So they had no evidence that anybody had ever actually been brainwashed ever in the history of mankind. No, no, no solid evidence. And yet, they
2: were just trying. Well,
0: eventually, though, all the soldiers were like, no, it wasn't brainwashing. We were like, well, within our right minds. We're good. Yep. And yet they still just like we like, no, no, brainwashing is going to work out.
1: Yes, they still believe that there is a way to break the human mind and, and to program it in such a way that they have total control. Um, I mean,
0: I guess but it's just like. I guess like bad but, boyfriends been doing that
1: since the beginning of time. Yeah, pretty much. Now, during all of this, as Olsen's doing his own thing, Gottlieb is, of course, performing his own experiments, the experiments in the in the uh, the apartments that are back are right next to each other for a while, the thing that would eventually get closed down. But Gottlieb also had a second place that he enjoyed testing things under a bit of a different context, a place by the name of Deep Creek Cabin. Here, he was would typically cabin. Ring. It was a cabin oh, in the woods. I'm surprised. OK. Here, here, he would usually take himself and a handful of scientists, as well as inviting others within his field to enjoy a weekend getaway. Little did those who were going for the getaway know that during these times, all food and drink would be laced and poisoned in some way so he could watch the effects on his uh, on his invited victims. And in November of 1943, Olsen received a coded invitation to a retreat for a cabin on Deep Creek Lake for the 18th in 1953. when The Wednesday, the week before Thanksgiving that year. So we're a week before Thanksgiving. These retreats were hosted by Gottlieb every few months for the technical services staff in charge of MKUltra, and army scientists from the SOD of Chemical Corps. Since these men worked so closely together, it made sense that they have a relaxed environment to exchange ideas and discuss their projects, or at the very least, that's how Gottlieb pitched it to them. And on 18th of November, Olsen was picked up by Vincent Ruit, who had replaced Olsen as the chief of SOD after he left and joined the CIA, and they headed to the retreat together. On Thursday evening, the group got together and about a dozen in total gathered for drink and dinner. Robert Lashbrook, Gottlieb's right-hand man at the time and one of the few people who knew the full extent of MKUltra, poured everyone in the room a glass of orange-flavored liqueur. Cointreau. Is that how you say it, by the way? Cointreau? Cointreau. Cointreau. You know your liquor better than I do. Cointreau. Cointreau. Sorry. Co- is this? Co- yeah, Cointreau. What? And what everybody. What did you
2: think of Cointreau? I mean, that's exactly Cointro. how it's spelled. Yeah, it's exactly Cointro.
1: how it's spelled. I'm a very, very basic man when it comes to reading. But uh, he poured everybody. <laughs> uh, when it comes, I'm when a it reading, I'm a very, a very, very basic, basic man. Basic. When it comes I just sound it out, man. That's all I do. I don't, I don't, I don't go any further than that. All right. <laughs> um. But he poured everybody a glass of of Cointreau, and everyone drank very heartily. Twenty minutes later. Gottlieb began to ask if anyone was feeling odd and if everybody was feeling okay. Several spoke up, letting them know things were not exactly feeling great.
2: I would never, I don't know why, but I feel like I'd never do anything with any of these people. If I knew no. anything about them, I'd be like, here, have a drink. I'd be like, nah, dude, I'm good. Dude, like, is can that I per- water?
1: Is- this is air hypnosis drugging everybody and watching. And then 20 minutes later, he stands up grandly, dumps his drink into a plant and spins. Is anybody feeling
2: <laughs> right? strange? I'm feel like, oh, oh, hell no. Air <laughs> hypnosis, ladies and no. gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. <laughs> yeah.
1: He pulls out his spinny glasses and slides them onto his eyes. Everybody's like, oh, it's air
2: hypnosis.
1: <laughs> They're like, god
2: damn it, Mark. <laughs> I've tricked you again. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel a little off.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because after he asked if anybody was feeling a, a, odd, and several admitted that they were indeed, Gottlieb revealed grandly that he had spiked the cointro well oh, cointro, quad <laughs> fuck it, whatever, cointro <laughs> coin with L- yeah. yeah, with LSD. Unsurprisingly, this news was not taken well, and everyone soon began to get nervous and get carried away by the drug. Unfortunately, they were not far gone This was not taken
2: well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit.
1: they were fully understood, they fully understood what uh what, what uh, Gottlieb had told them before eventually they became unintelligible. Gottlieb even saying that in as time passed, in the other room, He could hear them all laughing and speaking incoherently with each other. The mood had lightened. That's what he said anyway.
0: It's like when uh, somebody like did gave PCP to the whole cast of Titanic in the chowder. Oh my God. What? Do you you remember that? You never heard that story? No. No? There's what? I mean, it's not for this. It's not a mystery, but, uh, but, but if you ever want to have a good ass time, go online and look up how one time somebody spiked the chowder at the Titanic cast party, rap party, uh, with PCP. Oh my God. Somebody like, stabbed somebody else in the face. Like it's, it
1: was a CIA dude. They're, they're still trying to figure out brainwashing <laughs> to this day. It was Leo. Absolutely. It's like, we're going to get crazy. Everyone. <laughs> anyway, the next morning after the LSD dosing, the group was only slightly better off than they were the night prior. The meeting eventually broke up and Olsen headed home to Frederick Maryland. He never, however, properly recovered. From that point on, Olsen was paranoid, concerned and questioning a lot of the things he had done in the past and what had happened to him while he was there.
2: Let's be very clear. This is not related to LSD. This is related to your friend drugging you. <laughs> and you being be like,
1: I don't know who to trust anymore. That's you what are- that is. Absolutely correct. Initially, when I was doing the reading, a lot of like his actions for a minute, I was like, did he experience like ego death? I wonder. And like everything felt different. But it became clear the more you we, we go. It is truly like, oh, my God, who can I trust? When Olsen returned home, he was a changed man completely. He was no longer able to focus and he was incredibly distant. He eventually blurted to his wife the following. I've made a terrible mistake. He did not elaborate. I've made a huge mistake, Michael. Exactly. Yeah. He did not elaborate. And in an effort to cheer everyone up, Olsen and his wife, Alice, attended the movies. So she he simply said to her, I've made a terrible mistake, and then was like, we gotta go to the movies. Let's just
0: throw on Futurama and chill out for a couple hours. Yeah,
1: let's just fucking go. Unfortunately, the film was Martin Luther. The story of a man stricken by conscience who decides to risk everything by proclaiming he believes. It was very eerily prescient of what was to come. On Monday, the 23rd of November, still in 1953, Olsen showed up early to work at Camp Dietrich and waited for Ruit to show up. Even four days on from the exposure, this is four days after it all happened, neither was feeling up to par, and Olsen began to vomit out his fears and doubts toward Ruit directly, asking himself if he should resign or if he should be fired. Ruit attempted to calm Olsen the best he could, but this scenario repeated the next day, and it was then that Ruit decided that Olsen needed more help. And where could help be found but in New York City? See, the smart decision would be for Ruit to take Gottlieb to a proper hospital or institution to be treated, but that's not how things worked within MKUltra or the government at this point. Ruit called Gottlieb, who suggested that they actually take Olsen to a man by the name of Harold Abramson. Olsen agreed and went back to pack his suitcase and say goodbye to his family, letting them know that he was going to get treatment and hopefully be better. Alice's wife accompanied him on the first leg of the journey to Washington, where Olsen and Ruit would continue on to New York. Olsen promised his wife that he would be home from Thanksgiving and the couple said goodbye. It was here that they also picked up Lashbrook for the journey but his wife would never see him again. Ruit took Olsen to to Abramson, where Olsen told Abramson everything that had been happening since the original dosing. Abramson was a doctor, but he was a doctor directly under the employ of MKUltra and uh, very, very um, seriously put the secrets of MKUltra as a priority above those of the lives that he oversaw. Abramson eventually joined the trio Bring a bottle of bourbon and several tablets of Nembutal, a barbiturate used to induce sleep, but not recommended in conjunction with alcohol. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And the group talked until midnight, and Abramson advised that Olson take a couple uh, Nembutal before bed. Now, it's very important to note here that Abramson was not a psychiatrist. He was chosen for his loyalty to MKUltra and his experience with LSD specifically. Just he's the like a m- Sherpa. He's like a like drug Sherpa. <laughs> he No, he does have medical training, but he's not a psychiatrist. He's more of just like a doctor, doctor like, like a, a, a physician. physician. OK, yeah, not he's not not this. The next morning, Ruit then took Olsen to see to see CIA contracted magician John Mulholland. A later report suggested that Mulholland may have tried to hypnotize Olsen which caused the paranoia Olsen felt later on no to flee the way. building which to flee the building, which he did, and then Ruit had to go in pursuit. So we don't know. We have no idea, but it's just from tangential interviews and, and memos, we think Maholin was like, all right, we're gonna hypnosis him out of LSD problems, and it freaked him out and he fucking ran and Ruit chased Here's him. Here's the thing,
0: right, about that, right?
1: <laughs> it
0: doesn't work. No, no, one. just go online and look up a video of somebody taking salvia, right? If you, if you just look it up, like there's the, there's the famous guy who does the, who does driving on salvia. That's a great video. Don't watch that one. Watch <laughs> like there's
2: usually a video of two boys. Yeah. Somebody in the living room. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And they, they lose. hit like a big ass bong full of salvia. <laughs> Their minds.
0: It's it, only lasts, it only lasts a few minutes. It's, it's probably more disorienting <laughs> than LSD. I would have to say, but nine times out of 10, Somebody's going out the damn window. Somebody just walks out the goddamn window.
1: And well, he didn't walk out the window here. He just ran out the building paranoid from this encounter with yeah. John Mulholland. But uh, honestly, any any magician makes me paranoid. You can't trust them, dude. I'm just saying like there's them.
0: something about being like uh you think- psychedelically enhanced that you want to be You think you Mulholland was like and now outside.
1: And-, and now I'm going to return your sanity. On the count of 3, you are sane. One, sane 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 two- sane insane. Three and then he just runs out the building. Probably. Then yeah, no, probably. However, Ruit did eventually catch up to Olsen. And the next morning, Ruit took Olson to see uh, uh I mean, I'm sorry, uh, the, the, that night rather, Ruit caught up to Olson, and then Ruit and Olson went and caught up with Lashbrook, who then they took on uh the three of them took a stroll along Broadway and purchased tickets for the musical Me and Juliet. Olsen insisted on leaving at intermission fearing he would be arrested at the end of the show for some reason or another, despite Ruit personally guaranteeing Olsen would make it home for just, Thanksgiving. Just
0: because he's like fucking wilding out. Like he's just having a freak out. Yeah.
1: So well, Yeah. Hang on one second. We'll, we'll finish this part and I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little, we're going to dive in a little bit more. Um, so he, Ruit personally guaranteed Olsen would be home by Thanksgiving, but Olson insisted on leaving no matter what. Lashbrook, however, remained at the theater to finish the musical while Ruit and Olson returned to the Statler hotel for bed. So at this point, we're four days out after his LSD experience. And at this point we're you know, we're not going into too deeply, but um, Olsen is is not only just paranoid with Ruit, but he's openly speaking with people about what he thinks he should do. He's at a point right now where he is on the verge of of starting to just tell people like wanting to tell people what actually he's is like happening. we're
0: torturing people. We're like doing yep. this. Yes.
1: But but it's because it happened to him. And once it happened to him, suddenly his conscience kind of kicked in about the whole thing. But on top of it, because it happened to him and it was what happened to somebody who he implicitly trusted and was his higher up, he now is is doing that whole thing where you see in spy movies where like he's waffling back and forth on whether she should come clean and come not come clean. And he's telling all the wrong people.
0: He's like the he's, classic he's coming, guy that the action hero needs to come get like John Wick's coming yeah, in to, to get to, you literally. Out. Yeah, correct. Somebody who,
1: who <laughs> has the betterment of the country in mind. The superhero of the movie needs to come in and, and scoop him out. But it's not going to happen. And everybody he's talking to are people he thought he could trust. But they all have MK Ultra as their priority over him. Regardless, the next morning, Ruett woke up at 5.30, uh, this is now Thanksgiving morning, to discover that Olsen had gone missing. Ruit collected Lashbrook, who had finished the musical the night before, and they began their search. Lucky for them, Olsen was just sitting in the lobby of the hotel and told them that he had, been, he had wandered aimlessly through the city and thrown away his, all of his, uh, his wallet and all of his IDs. So while they went to bed, Olsen literally went to the New York City and hucked all forms of identification and his wallet. Gone
0: dude. this guy just lost his mind. This guy was not ready for primetime. No,
1: absolutely not. Olsen still planned on being home for dinner, however, with his family and the trio of Lashbrook, Olsen and Ruit boarded a plane to Washington. Ruit and Olsen got into a car to return Olsen to his family. But soon after they began the journey, Olsen demanded that the car stop right now, explaining that he was ashamed to see his family in his current state and he could not bear to show his face to them. Ruit suggested Olsen may benefit from another session with Abramson, and Olsen relented and agreed. The pair, instead of driving back home for Thanksgiving, drove back to Washington and picked Lashbrook back up, and Gottlieb, who had broken his holiday plans after hearing about the morning's incident, also joined them. Olsen was very quickly becoming a big security risk to MKUltra. Gottlieb ordered Rewitt to drive to Maryland and tell the Olsen family that Frank would not be home for dinner. Then Ruit, Lashbrook and Olsen drove back to Washington and took a, a return flight to New York. Olsen and Lashbrook took a taxi to Abramson's weekend home on Long Island where Abramson, remember the doctor spent an hour with Olsen and 20 minutes. I uh, spent an hour with Olsen and 20 minutes with Lashbrook before checking into a guest house at a nearby cold spring Harbor. The next morning, Abramson, Lashbrook, and Olson drove back to Manhattan. Abramson conducted another session with Olson and persuaded him that he should agree to be hospitalized as a voluntary patient rather than a, committed, rather than a commitment by legal authority and at, uh, at a Maryland sanatorium known as Chestnut Lodge. Olson and Lashbrook left and checked into Statler Hotel for one last night in room 1018A with the intent of going to Chestnut Lodge the next day. That night, over dinner, Olsen told Lashbrook that he was actually looking forward to his hospitalization, musing on what books he would read and how he would keep himself entertained, almost as though it would be a getaway that would get everything set straight. Lashbrook later recounted that he was, quote, almost the Dr. Olsen I knew before the experiment, end quote. After dinner, Olsen returned to the room, washed his socks in the sink, watched television for a little while, and laid down for sleep. But he would not see the next day, as at 2.55 in the morning, Olsen went out the window. Dude. Immediately after Olsen had gone through the window, Lashbrook called Gottlieb to report what happened. Gottlieb then dialed the number to the duty officer at CIA headquarters, and Gottlieb reported that there had been an incident in a hotel in New York City involving a death, and that it required immediate action. The duty officer phoned Sheffield Edwards and told him that, quote, an agency employee assigned to an I, oh, eyes only project at Camp Dietrich had committed suicide in New York, end quote. Edwards gave the duty officer two instructions. One, call Lashbrook, inform him uh, to move to another room in the Statler Hotel and, quote, talk to nobody until we get someone there with him. And two, summon Gottlieb and Gottlieb's boss, chief of technical services staff, Gib Gibbons, to, to quarters eye an unmarked CIA building near the Lincoln Memorial. They were moving everybody into position, getting everybody set up for the cover-up. Edwards met with Gottlieb and Gibbons and later reported that he, quote, questioned Dr. Gibbons and Dr. Gottlieb at some length on certain matters that had occurred prior to this incident. Edwards had been the co-creator of Bluebird and knew what information he was looking for in this investigation. Bluebird being the one, remember, they named it that because they tried to get their people to sing like a bird. It was more interrogation techniques with torture, mind control, etc. And it was during this questioning that Gottlieb revealed a key piece of the puzzle Olson's CIA colleagues have given him LSD without his knowledge nine days before his death this is at the the cabin from there Edwards designed from there Edwards finally was able to design a proper cover-up can I first
2: actually never mind I think you're about to say it my question okay. is and we'll see if we get there we know what happened now today. Yes. But at the time, what did they say was the reason for his death? And I think that's what you're
1: getting to. We're we're literally getting into it. Gotcha. So Edwards doing the investigation, wasn't doing the investigation to get the truth. He was doing the investigation to know how to set the cover up. So first, uh, the first step on the cover up, the New York police would be persuaded not to investigate and to cooperate in misleading the press. Second, a fake career would be constructed for Lashbrook, who was the sole witness. Wow. uh, who as the sole witness would be questioned by investigators and could under no circumstances be recognized as working for the CIA, much less MKUltra. Third, the Olsen family would have to be informed, placated, and kept cooperative. This became Gottlieb's assignment, find a trusted man to break the news to the now widow, and this job fell to Vincent Ruitt, the man who was ushering him around and the one who the wife knew rather well. And they all went along with it. Ruit told Alice Olson that her husband had been in a New York hotel and quote fell or jumped through the window to his death. This phrase came to haunt the nine year Eric the nine year old Eric Olsen. So the son heard this and he never forgot it. How could you? Back, right back in New York, Agent James McCord, known at that point in time simply as Agent McSee, arrived at the Statler. <laughs> to make the police investigation disappear. It's true. He actually, his name didn't come out for another decade or two. I believe it was early eighties when we learned who this man was. Um, but at the time it was simply, we only knew him as agent McSee. This is ridiculous. Uh, he, went, he joined and arrived at the Statler hotel to make the police investigation disappear. McCord is a footnote in American political history for being one of the Watergate burglars, by the way,
0: McSee, so he later.
1: Yeah. 10 years later. later was, he's yeah. He's the Watergate burglar. Yeah. <laughs> McCord spent an hour questioning Lashbrook, who had just escaped from his detention with New York's 14th Precinct. McCord told Lashbrook to go to the morgue to identify Olsen's body, while McCord himself searched room 1018A in nearby rooms. When Lashbrook returned, he made a series of calls, one of which was to Gottlieb, who suggested Lashbrook go to Abramson's that night, pick up a report, and bring the report to Washington, and Lashbrook acquired the report to, to, uh, and took it back to Washington on the midnight train. I know not a, not a lot of names are flying around. So if there's somebody you forget who it is, just ask and I will clarify for you. CIA security officers took care of the remaining details while uh, investigating police detectives concluded that Olson had died of multiple fractures, quote, subsequent upon a jumper fall, quote, this is what became the official narrative. So that's that was the narrative, Jesse. He jumped or fell out a window. Do they say why suicide? Like why did he he... commit
2: suicide? In their in their estimation, what they tell the family?
1: Stress from his jobs prior, uh, things (sighs) that led up to like uh, the basically like, unfortunately for the family, they they have the luxury of saying he was part of top secret things that we can't talk about.
0: Right, because that's that's like what he's saying to them at home too. Right.
1: Yeah, but there's still more, so we'll keep going. After Olsen's funeral, Lashbrook and Gottlieb visited Alice. They both told Alice that her husband was a fine man and that he would be sorely missed. Alice was gracious and hospitable, but she speculated that they had come back to check on her paying uh, back to check on her to see if she was going to be a risk to them or the organization. So Alice ain't stupid. She'd been with her husband for however many years. she immediately assumed that they were here to try and placate her, and she went along, saying everything was fine and that she'd be OK. The CIA general counsel, Lawrence Houston, spent two weeks reviewing what he called, quote, all the information available to the agency relating to the death of Dr. Frank Olson. He summarized his findings in a memorandum. It is my conclusion that the death of Dr. Olson is the result of circumstances arising out of an experiment undertaken in the course of his official duties for the U.S. government and that there is, therefore, a direct casual connection between the accident and his death. I am not happy with what seems to be a very casual attitude on the part of the TSS representatives to the way this experiment was conducted and to their remarks that this is just one of the risks running with scientific experimentation. A death occurred which might have been prevented and the agency as a whole, particularly the director, were caught completely by surprise in a most embarrassing manner, end quote. Houston handed the memo to the CIA Inspector General Lyman Kirkpatrick, an OSS veteran who had been with the agency since the very beginning. Dulles had had asked Kirkpatrick to investigate Olsen's death, but was sparse with the details. Quote, some time ago, Olsen had participated in an experiment that might've involved LSD. And this experiment might've contributed to a suicide. End quote. (laughs) Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, Dulles. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Get it out. Get it out. I'm watching. Basically as this podcast goes, who's those who can't see, we watch as Alex kind of rises in tension and then we finally get to a point. You just he just goes. He just like collapses on himself and just goes. Ugh, like and just. I mean, they killed him because he was
0: being wrong. He was just acting not right, right? Like he was, he was, he was, he was threatening to reveal what was they happening. They got him high as fuck and they threw him out a window,
1: right? We will find out. You're, okay, I can't spoil. We can't jump to the. I'm end. just saying. So, you know, I'm so just. Wait, but we
2: know. We know an ending for sure.
1: We we have a pretty solid ending. Come on. We will never know for sure because the paperwork and all that shit got destroyed. They put this like,
0: man on drugs and then they did what uncle Phil does to DJ Jazzy Jeff. Every time he comes over, <laughs> to Wilson's house.
1: I, it's I, important I, to know. It is important to know though, like behind the scenes, ruin everybody all the while are talking about how it's dangerous that Olsen keeps that isn't able to keep his shit to himself.
2: Well, I mean, if you think about Olsen just as a person, yes. everything you've said, Literally, the man developed all these things that he's like, I'm doing this for the good of the country. And I'm creating Mm -hmm. all of these different things that, you know, MKUltra and the government are using the CIA are using. And then he goes to Europe and he sees them use it. And he's like,
1: oh, no, I'm a bad guy. That's but, But he was seeing he was seeing all that before his experimentation. It wasn't until after he got experimented on that he suddenly cared.
2: Well, I mean, I maybe there is a moment where Jesse. I drunk
1: swear down. to God,
0: I was taking an Uber in San Jose one time and I was talking <laughs> to my Uber driver and my Uber driver went and did ayahuasca in the jungle <laughs> and came back. And this was like a weekend trip she was going to take. She came back and two days later, she adopted a child she didn't know she was going to adopt two days before.
2: Yeah. No, I look, I get that drugs (laughs) can have that effect on you and make you like change uh, big things about your life because you sort of open your mind to whatever the universe. But uh, it it does. It does make you think like, oh, this guy realized at a certain point that the things he thought he was doing that were good are actually not good at all. Yeah. And I get, you know, you can very much understand how the government would be like, well, he's developed a conscience Enough of this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Remove him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So after Houston handed down that memo, um, the one saying, you know, kind of being very vague about the the uh, investigation. Dulles was also impressed upon Kirkpatrick that based on Olsen's verdict of death by, quote, classified illness, unquote, Alice would soon begin receiving survivors benefits and any other conclusion other than classified illness would begin to create problems for her. After interviewing Harold Abramson, Kirkpatrick turned his report into dulls quote, there should be immediate there should be immediately established a high level intra-agency board which should review all TSS experiments and give approval to any in which inv- uh, human beings are involved, end quote. Because, you know, when shit goes bad, the best thing to do is just create a second internal bureau filled with the people that are already on board with this fucking experiment. That'll stop it. Well, they're not gonna stop. They're just these gonna experiments. get quieter. They're gonna get yeah. quieter about it. They're gonna do it who in, knew the f on a in
0: an, 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 an off site, black site location.
1: <laughs> Dulles, who knew the full breadth of MKUltra and that had this and that this suggestion could not be followed, instead chose to sign brief letters on admo- admonishing Gibb gib- Gibbons, his deputy James Drum, and Gottlieb. The letters were not reprimands and no personal personnel file notations were made. The letters were as follows. To Givens and Drum, quote, the unwitting application of LSD in an experiment with which you are familiar to be an indication of bad judgment, end quote. To Gottlieb, he sent, <laughs> Clean it quote, up, gentlemen. Yeah. I have personally reviewed your fi- the files from your office concerning the use of a drug on an unwitting group of individuals. In recommending the unwitting application of the drug to your superior... You did not give sufficient emphasis to the necessity for medical collaboration and for proper consideration of the rights of the individual to whom it was being administered. This is to inform you that it is my opinion that you exercised poor judgment in this case. That's it. That's and what, what they got. What year
2: was this? Fifty three. Fifty three. This this is Alex is right. I can imagine all these guys in like kind of brown suits they were like and smoky rooms do? being like, clean it up, gentlemen. Right. Yep. And that is exactly what this is. They
0: were like, just and kill him. It- <sighs> just kill him. Just get him high as hell. Kill him. We'll say it's an accident. We'll cover it up. We'll cover up an accident. No one will ever even bother to worry about whether or not we killed him.
2: It doesn't. And then a man puts out a cigarette in an ashtray and they all stand up and they're yeah. like, get to work, gentlemen. Great. <laughs> <She didn't laughs> know that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a guy in like ridiculously large glasses is like right away, sir.
1: Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. But that ends 1953. <laughs> Robert Olson is den, dead, dead, and the public accepts the excuse for his death, and his family, more or less, swallows the excuse. I bet that kid.
2: Now. I bet that kid was like, Mm-mm, "Hell no!" For now, for now,
1: 1954 saw a breakthrough for the government. A chemist by the name of Eli Lilly had finally cracked the, the code on Eli Lilly. The Eli Lilly. That's like a real, that's like a
2: real important name in history. All right, please continue.
1: Well, maybe this is him or her. I don't know. The chemist, Eli Lilly had finally cracked the code on LSD and could produce tonnage quantities of it. The CIA paid Eli Lilly $400,000 in 2020 money. That's very close to $4 million for a mass purchase of LSD. I got to look now this with up. a steady supply of LSD. Gottlieb devoted himself to conceiving research projects that might bring the project closer to what he believed must be the drug's inner secret.
2: Is that Lily says, like Cialis like uh, Eli, Eli Lilly as in Eli Lilly, the Prozac? major pharmaceutical company? That's what I'm looking at right now. They're the people who did like Eli L I L L Y. Yeah, Eli Lilly and company yeah. are the huge. They they do Cymbalta, the depression drug. They do yeah. a bunch of diabetes drugs.
1: They're it's Cialis. The They're Cialis. It's got to be the same one. It's got to absolutely be the same it's his, one. 100%. It's, his, it's his grandson. Ah, <laughs> it's his so grandson. So it's named
2: after famed, air quotes, Eli Lilly.
1: Okay. Yeah, he cracked LSD. Eli Lilly figured out how to manufacture LSD. Tight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, wait, sist- What?
2: The company was founded in 1876. Yeah. This is grandson. And named after yeah. Colonel Again. Eli Lilly an American pharmaceutical. Yeah. Go- oh, I guess. Remember,
1: Eli Lilly, Eli Lilly cracked the LSD code without the help of the CIA. This is an independent company. Well, this is in the, the 50s. LSD. You're telling me. Yeah. This is the 50s. Oh, 1954. You, you're
2: talking about the actual company, not a person. No, the person no, is the his Kenneth, grandson.
1: Eli Lilly figured it out.
2: Eli Lilly Jr.
0: He's he's the he's the grandson of the uh, of the colonel from the Civil War.
1: It's a di- yeah it's 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 a it's a generational he down. He died in the seventies. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah this one. The, it, it, his oh yeah, but that guy, but yeah. his company go his his grandson <laughs> goes on the whole
2: damn family right he now. Turned, right? He turned LSD <laughs> no. into M and M's, basically.
1: Yeah, basically. A systemic study would require controlled experimentation, which meant administering it was his, LSD it to humans.
2: Gra- Sorry to interrupt. It was his grandson. Yes. Yeah. His kids were Josiah Alex and Eleanor, and then his grandson, Eli Lilly Jr., is yes. this guy. That's what J.S. Wow. and if you want to look up Eli Lilly Jr. On, uh, <laughs> on Wikipedia, it says, Eli Lilly, industrialist, and the photo is exactly what you imagine an industrialist <laughs> looks like. <laughs> MK
1: Ultra is also a really great, Pictureing not to Teddy to Roosevelt. That's a very close. slightly, yeah. But MK Ultra is a really great starter, like truth conspiracy too, because MK Ultra touches so much real life, like crazy stuff. Like this, eventually, MK Ultra dips into the JFK assassination and like, like actuality, like JFK was involved right. in aspects of right. MK Ultra. Like this touches so right. much stuff and. MKUltra not only touches JFK, but it also touches mafia life because it goes directly into the, uh, the Bay of Pigs, which was gun- which if you if you do the research or like if we, we might talk about it might be the reason that JFK got assassinated by the mafia in the first place. A lot of other things. But anyway, um, systemic studying meant that LSD had to be administered to human subjects in clinical settings where their reactions could be monitored neither Gottlieb nor his cater of associates at Camp Dietrich had the facilities or a professional staff for a research project of that scale and size. So it would need to be subcontracted out to facilities that could handle it, such as hospitals and medical schools. But the facilities could not know that they were under the employ of the CIA. So what the CIA did was fund front groups, such as the philanthropic, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Gex Gex Gexicder Fund, Gexicder Fund, G E S C H I C K T E R Fund for Guess, medical research G-S-C-C-C-T-R? and Josiah P Macy Foundation. Sorry,
2: no, I, I'm trying to figure oh. out how it's pronounced. G-S- yeah, uh, how you spell yeah. it? It's, it's Gasector
1: Gasector that G-S-C-T-R, G-S-C-T-R maybe. I don't know. Um, but they basically these are all front groups, uh philanthropic front groups to the CIA. That offered grants to these places for LSD research. There were no lack of takers either. These are just a small list of some of the people that accepted the CIA funding without realizing they were being funded by the CIA Massachusetts General Hospital, Worcester Foundation for Experimental Biology, Ionia State Hospital, Mount Sinai Hospital. The University of Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Denver, Illinois, Oklahoma, Rochester, Texas, and Indiana. Jeez. Harvard, Berkeley, City College of New York, Columbia, MIT, Stanford, Baylor, Emory, George Washington, Cornell, Florida State, Good Vanderbilt, Lord. John Hopkins, and Tulane. <laughs> and a fun fact, researchers, our researcher Deanna's dad went to Florida State University during this time. He was at Florida State when they were doing LSD. Um Did but he? it was confirmed that he but he but he the father confirmed refused medical experiment experimentation well, that was mean, happening at the time let's mm.
2: also be very clear that schools like this have done research especially for the use of oh, yeah. medical marijuana
1: oh like, yeah of, like,
2: they yeah you sign up to do drugs at a lot of these
1: places that's a thing yep. that happens it's a it's a th- exactly it's a thing that happens um so no big deal medical <laughs> schools that, <wait. laughs> no big deal. <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's the takeaway right no big deal i mean medical really schools yeah that, and, of course, medical schools at Wayne, University, Wayne State University, Boston University, New York University, and the University of Maryland. That was genuinely what, what 1954 was for MK MKUltra MK Ultra launched in 53 and kind of launched with an immediate bungle. Then they took M- uh, 1954 to figure out how to distribute all this LSD because they had come into it. And that was the extent of 1954 for them. 1955 would start to see the real ramping up of those experimentations. The results the unwilling subjects, both of military and civilian origin, and the horrific things that the next seven to eight years of MK Ultra would do to this country. And that's what we'll pick up next week. God damn. And we hit part four of what I think is going to be five parts. We could wrap it green up next children. week. If, yep. The green yeah, children. We beans. could wrap What's up next week, but I don't think we will. I think we'll have five parts. Good I Lord. really want to cover everything. But I really I think Olson was like the the big topic I wanted to cover for today. And then next week it's like, man, it's like they flipped a switch in MK Ultra in fifty five and they were like, fuck everything. Let's just do what we want. Well,
2: can I add just a little bit to the end of this Olson saga? Yes, please, please. Uh, I found do. an article because I was busy I had to dig. I had to dig. I was like, I gotta know about the kids and about all well, we this are gonna stuff. get to
1: that in a later part. <clears throat> but if you want to just talk about it now, you can't. Uh,
2: it's fine are you talking about 2012 do you have information on that yeah
1: mm, the modern stuff yeah
2: more modern stuff
1: Uh, just i'm trying to i don't know what you're trying to do
2: i mean i don't got nothing to say it's a guardian article i found from 2012 november 2012
1: uh i don't think i'm referring to a guardian article i'm looking right now at my script well i gotta go to my i mean my outline i don't have a script what is the info what is it all right yeah just to say just say it. so
2: uh in the 70s, all the information we're talking about came out,
1: right? Yes, we're going to talk about that. Yes. Well,
2: in 2012, the Olsen family sued the CIA. Yes. Claiming they're the ones who, as Alex was pointing out, they're the ones who tossed him out the window. Yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so they sued the CIA in 2012.
1: I haven't had enough time to dig deeper than that. We will be talking about that because- the lawsuit later on is a big, big stressor for the CIA because the lawsuit that that he raises immediately threatens every single secret to come out, and that's kind of what triggers the destruction yeah, of like, a lot well, of the what shit. What the fuck that
0: was he made. saying if he wasn't saying anything? What was he not talking about?
2: Why is why is there this idea? anyway we will cover that Jesse for sure cool probably in part five it'll be the end of the series yeah I just found that like it's a thing there's uh, I was like I gotta know more and God. apparently it it, there's more to know today yeah.
0: today's oh, more today I'm less depressed and more angry at the end of this one
1: yeah that's fair honestly what do you prefer though like do you prefer the angry at least the I depression? didn't have to
0: like listen
1: to stories of people being completely destroyed here okay I'm gonna, we're going to leave off on this. I am going to give you a teaser as to what next week's episode Green is. Green okay? okay. children. In 55, <laughs> Gottlieb wrote a memo listing the materials and methods that he was either researching or wished to research with MKUltra going forward. So here is a taste of all of those things. Substances which will promote illegal, illogical thinking and impulsiveness to the point where the recipient would be discredited in public. Substances which increase the efficiency of men, uh, mentation and percep- or perception perception. Materials Men, which will prevent meditation. or counter like mental facilities, like make you smarter, gotcha. think faster, like gotcha, the gotcha.
0: pill, limitless,
1: limitless, yeah. Limitless Materials which will prevent or counteract the intoxicating effect of alcohol. Materials which will promote the intoxicating effect of alcohol. Materials which will produce the signs and symptoms of recognized diseases in a reversible way, wow. so that they may be used for malingering, etc. Like fake cancer, fake. Yeah, fake shit that would show signs, but not it. Wow. Materials which would render the the indication of hypnosis easier uh, or otherwise enhance its usefulness. Substances which will enhance the ability of individuals to withstand uh, privation, torture, and coercing during interrogation and so-called brainwashing. It's like a disassociation pill, I guess. Materials and physical methods which will uh, produce amnesia for events preceding and during the use of interrogation. I'm just thinking
0: about things that I know about and how many of them Come have from been this? satisfied by this list?
1: Yeah. Um, we're almost there. Physical methods of producing shock and confusion over extended periods of time and capable of surreptitious use. Use Substances which produce physical disablement, such as paralysis of the legs, acute anemia, and more. Substances which produce, quote, pure euphoria with no subsequent letdown. So a literal high with no problems. Bacon was that substance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Substances which alter personality structure in such a way that the tendency of the recipient to become dependent upon another person is enhanced. What the? A material which will cause mental confusion of such a type that the individual under its influence will find it difficult maintaining a fabrication under under questioning. Basically, they can't like they don't able to lie anymore. Testimony breaker. Yeah. Yep. Substances which will lower the ambition and general working efficiency of men while administered in undetectable amounts. That's just weed. Yeah. Substances which will promote weakness or distortion of the eyesight or healing hearing facilities with preferably without permanent effects. A knockout pill, which can uh, surreptitiously be administered in drinks, food, cigarettes, or as an aerosol, which will be used, uh, which will be for use by agent types on an ad hoc basis. Let's be and sorry. Go for it. Sorry. And last one is a material which can be surreptitiously administered by the above routes and which in very small amounts will make it impossible for a man to perform any physical activity, whatever.
2: I just want to jump in here and say, as you listed off all of those, it very quickly hit me that the only way to test all of these is on people. The only way you can ever know that these work is you test it on people, and some of them, like one was uh, being able to damage the eyes without any long-term effects. Well, the process of realizing if there are any long-term effects is you literally are just damaging people's eyesight permanently (laughs) to test it. That's
1: so bonkers. But you, you make a good point because in 1955 as well, they're also blossoming Every goddamn assassination idea that they possibly can. Sure. Including ways to assassinate Prime Minister Zhao and Lai of China uh, and take Zhao to the Asian African Congress in Bandung, Indonesia. Explode in midair. It was determined to have... Uh, the ex- Exploded in midair as they tried to assassinate him. Operation Midnight Climax, which you might know if you're a history buff at all, which we'll get into next week. Um, contracting Ira Ike felt like... <laughs> it goes... Their tests, literally, like, well, we gotta test all this shit, and we also really want to assassinate like a lot of different world leaders. We were so down to do that. Like, what if we just did both at the same time and also fucked around with our civilians a bit? Yeah,
0: we'll see what happens. You cannot trust us on a on, no. on, a, on a political way. It is so
1: crazy. It it's is so fucking it's, crazy. It's so nuts. It's so nuts. That's it. That's it, boys. Uh, we, we can't go into it. We get to talk next week, though. We're going to be talking about all the above. Uh, but, to, you know, other than human torture, assassination and all these other terrible experiments, we're also going to be talking about the discovery and use of magic mushrooms next week, too. Hey, so, hell yeah. we'll do a little happiness to come your way. You love to see Thank it. you guys so much for listening. If you guys want to listen to more, <laughs> we're going to go record a mini sode right now. I'm going to talk about Patreon. Balloon
0: Boy on it. So get ready.
1: Oh yep, boy. blue boy on it we oh got boy. uh i'm excited for that i don't know what that means but it's going to be thrilling um <laughs> if you want posters if you want minisodes if you want uh t-shirts like the monthly t-shirts are and all that stuff behind the scenes scripts go to patreon.com slash illuminati pod right now and jump on one of the tiers you get a little you get a little benefit as well as directly supporting the show and making sure we can bring this to you every single week that's it for us we love you and we'll see you next peace week peace out goodbye Oi. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, holy shit, get out here. So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky. in I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky.